Welcome to the Small Business Sessions podcast from Enterprise Nation and the Business Connected Training Program. We help businesses grow with digital skills, adopting new technologies, and staying safe online with our partners Vodafone, Builder.ai, and JP Morgan. This season of the podcast features stories, inspiration, and top tips from some of Britain's best entrepreneurs and digital experts. Head to enterprisenation.com forward slash business connected for more information. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the show. Well, hello, everyone. My name's Dan Martin. I'm a freelance journalist and Enterprise Nation's news reporter. In this week's show, I'm joined by Sarah Devere Drummond, co-founder of Kit Hideaways, the membership website for affordable self-catering holiday rentals. Sarah previously worked in the boutique travel industry and with her co-founder Liv Simpson spotted a gap in the market for an online community that features only self-catering hideaways. Many of the properties featured on the website are under the radar, so they are kept exclusive by a membership service. In the episode, we hear Sarah's inspiring stories and her tips for business and digital success. Let's get started. Hello, Sarah. Big thank you for joining us on the show. Hi, thanks for having me. No problem at all. So I'm really looking forward to hearing the story of Kip Hideaways and how how you've built it. So obviously, at the start, let's go back to the start. How how did it all happen? Mm -hmm. How did you uh, come up with the idea for the business? Myself and my co-founder, Liz, we had both worked together previously in the boutique hotel industry. Um, We became friends. We both sort of moved into other roles, went freelance. We both had young families at the time. So we, you know, wanted a bit more flexibility in our work, but we sort of kept in touch. And it was actually one of those sort of classic pub meetups, you know, after a few drinks where inevitably with with us, you know, the topic always turned to holidays. It's something that, you know, both in our work and in our personal life is a real sort of passion for us. And I think having worked in boutique hotels and visited lots of incredible boutique hotels all over the world, we'd both become accustomed to a certain type of stay. But we'd also got a bit of hotel fatigue and actually really wanted to stay in, in more self-catering places, but still have that specialness as well. And we found actually, particularly in the UK, we were really struggling to find those nice places. It, it just seemed to, you know, be, it just took a long time to find these nice places, sort of trawling through lots of quite so-so or mediocre places, big sites where you're spending hours looking through, you're not really sure, you know, the pictures look nice, but are they actually as nice when you get there? And also both of us noticing that a lot of our friends would use us as their personal travel agents and always be asking us for recommendations of where to go because it was something we were both so passionate about. So I think it's from that conversation, this idea of like, you know, actually, there seems to be a gap in the market for this, you know, a one stop shop for people to find just the really nice places to stay, as well as this fatigue that people were finding with trawling larger sites and trying to pinpoint these places as well. So it kind of went from there. I actually moved abroad for a few years while my kids were sort of preschool, but we kept in touch and and kept chatting about it. And then finally decided, let's start doing this. So we both had full-time employment at the time. So we sort of just worked on it in our free time for about a year, starting off just doing lots and lots of research into the market and what was you know currently out there, the kind of brand that we wanted to be, the kind of places that we wanted to list. 
as you get into the nitty gritty of building it. But I, lo- I love that as well. Like the best conversations, best ideas happen down the pub, don't they? That's Always. So many, on the back of a beer mat. Yeah. I'm interested because you've gone for a membership model, which is you know unusual in this space. You know, there's not as many membership models as there are, you know, open access websites. Why did you decide to go with that model? Was that part of the market research that you identified that might be a good route to go down? Yeah, I think there were a few reasons. I think predominantly for us, we really wanted to create a community feel and we wanted to create a community of people who appreciated the same kind of places that we do. And we found actually for the owners of these, you know, they're small, independently run places where usually the owners have poured their hearts and souls into them. Like they're stunning, they're beautiful. And for them, it's actually really important to have guests who appreciate that. And often with sort of larger sites where anyone from anywhere can sort of to look at it, there's not sometimes that connection. So we wanted to create a site where we felt it had a really strong sort of vision in terms of the brand and who we were, and that we were quite niche and that our audience and our owners were connecting with us on that level of like this love for these small owner run sort of grassroots UK self-catering stays. And I think the other flip side to deciding on the membership model was I think we wanted to be a bit different as well. We wanted to not just be like every other listing site or booking site. And also we had to have a revenue stream. And I think we were quite against the, we didn't want to be charging, you know, service charges or hidden fees on bookings. So we sort of felt that a really nice way to go would just to have a sort of flat annual or monthly fee And then people can, you know, make as many bookings as they want. The revenue for the bookings goes directly to these small owners. And it's a much more sort of personal, nice feel, quite transparent. And I think we thought, you know, if we make it quite good value for money as well, you know, the annual membership's £19 a year. And if, you know, on a larger booking site, you'll pay more than that on a service charge just for one booking. So we sort of felt that that was quite a nice way to go for us you're right the dreaded service fees once you've gone through to the booking page and then you see all those extras and it's always like is annoying so you're right that is a good model so in those early days then you know how did you get it live obviously the initial you know challenge was convincing properties to list on it you're brand new in the Mm -hmm. market so how did you go about doing that it was quite nerve-wracking actually I think when we first approached I think we drew up a list of our sort of maybe 30 or so properties we'd done lots and lots of research and they were sort of you know the ones like we absolutely loved ourselves and really wanted and you know when we approached them we didn't have a website we had zero members you know it was a big leap of faith but I think what really helped us was because of the amount of research we'd done and because of our passion for these places we were able to talk to them on such a personal level about we love your we call them hideaways instead of properties it's kind of our name for them but you know we love your hideaway we love this about it you know we had so much knowledge that it kind of blew them away how much we already had kind of done the research into what made them so special and we said you deserve to have a platform that really showcases you and helps you to shine and we don't feel there's anyone in the market doing that and I think that's what really helped us get those that like the best properties because we really believed in them 
there was no one else out there that had had that that real personal kind of connection and touch with them. So I think that's kind of hooked us in with the properties. And then once we'd got the best properties, then the membership side of things flowed much more easily as well. So I think for us, it was like having that really high quality in terms of the accommodation that then kind of started drawing in the members. Mm. And how did you reach those initial members? I guess, was social media the key thing from the start? Because you've built up a big following on Instagram in particular now. But was mm. from the start, was that a platform that you focused on? Yeah, I think for us, it was a kind of perfect storm. So weirdly, we launched just pre-COVID, which sounds like not the most ideal time to launch a travel website. Actually, one of the big things for us, we found this amazing PR firm who, in my opinion, is sort of like the best travel PR. They're called Lifestyle Collective. I never thought they'd work with us. I just kind of approached them again before we'd even had a website and sort of pitched the idea. And Jessie, the founder, actually got back to me pretty instantly. And she was like, I love this. She's like, it's so annoying because this is the idea that I kind of had myself and never sort of did. And I really believe in you guys and think you'll smash it. And I think this is exactly the kind of thing that the market needs at the moment. So she very kindly came on board and helped us sort of press and PR very early on, which I think helped us immensely. And I think that coupled with, strangely, because it was a membership site, even in lockdown when no one could travel, we had a huge surge in memberships because I think what people were looking for when they couldn't actually leave their house was at least to kind of almost like virtually travel and dream and look at the kinds of places that they might want to go when they could. And then once lockdown had lifted, of course, people could only travel in the UK. And also there was a huge demand, you know, the whole staycation boom, but specifically for rentals and small rentals, people still wanted to travel safely, not, you know, to go to places where there's lots of other people around. So we kind of like very much weirdly launched very much like right place, right time. Wow. I mean, I obviously was going to ask you about the pandemic and that was not the answer yeah. expected that you had a <laughs> memberships on a travel website. That is quite yeah. uh, um, It's yeah. hilarious because as soon as I say, oh, I have a travel company, especially, you know, like sort of during and, uh, and after COVID, they're like, oh, you know, how did you deal with it? And actually for us, the issue was actually how much it grew so much more quickly than we expected it to. So mm. our issue was keeping up with that demand because we launched with a very small collection and the membership side grew very quickly. So actually we, were, we had an issue where there wasn't enough hideaways for these members to book. So we were having to try and grow the collection as quickly as we could while still keeping that you know quality control and making sure the collection was still all special places, not just growing it for the sake of it or adding properties, which we didn't feel were as special as those initial ones that we had already got on board. So I think for us, it was literally like being on a train <laughs> that we were just sort of clinging onto and just trying to keep up with the momentum, which I know is very, very different from what a lot of other travel companies experienced. Absolutely. So in terms of, were you doing anything then? I guess were members purely just going on the website to look at where they could go or were you were you providing any other content to sort of keep them inspired because obviously they couldn't actually book anything so what were you doing to sort of to keep them engaged I think we were really one of the big things before we launched that we were really clear on is that we wanted to have a really beautiful aesthetic and to showcase these places in a really beautiful way and Liz comes from a journalism background 
So we wanted even the editorial, the way everything was described to really kind of take people to those places. So I think although it was kind of just listing these places, I think, again, the way we listed them was in a much more beautiful way, both visually and editorially. And I think, again, with Instagram, we kind of had the same thing. We wanted to have a really strong feed, which almost felt as pleasurable to scroll through as it was to go and visit these places. Then once people were able to go and visit the places our Instagram weirdly really took off because of it was sort of like our members were our brand advocates and it was them sort of shouting about Kip and our places on their own social media and word of mouth as well it was very organic we did zero paid advertising at all it was purely sort of having those early adopters really spreading the word. I think, you know, when you find something you really love or you go somewhere you really love, the first thing you want to do is tell all your mates about it. And also when you want to go somewhere, you know, when you want to go on holiday or find something special, who do you listen to? Who do you ask your friends, like your trusted friends? So I think that works for us really well. So obviously I was going to ask about getting you on over 100,000. So would that be a key bit of advice that you'd say to people on using Instagram is to launch with a good, strong brand and then just encourage that advocacy amongst your followers? A hundred percent. Brand and product, you know, for us, we can have the most beautiful branding and incredible visuals. But if the hideaways themselves don't stand up to that, what we say, then it all kind of falls down. So I don't like to think of each type of marketing in a silo when people say, oh, you know, how do you get this on Instagram? It's For me, it's not really about having a specific Instagram plan. It's really comes back to the basics of like have an amazing brand and an amazing product, which really just sells itself. Yeah, exactly. That is so important. What about funding? How have you funded the growth of the business so far? Is it all self-funded or have you taken on any external money? It's all self-funded. We started off with a, with a crazy small budget. And again, it was just Liz and I kind of hard grafting ourselves around other projects. I think what really helped was that it felt very much like a passion project for us rather than work. It was actually something we sort of enjoyed doing in our spare time and you know we hired a few independent creatives just to help us with things like actually getting the branding right and the website visuals and build but pretty much everything else it was literally just Liz and I on a very tight budget beavering away getting things built and because I think we were fairly lucky weirdly in terms of when we launched and how quickly it grew it started becoming profitable within the first six months which from what I kind of know now, you know, three or so years down the line is fairly unheard of oh. with a small brand. But I think we were really lucky that so far we've been quite comfortably self-funded. But, you know, we're always looking to grow and expand and we'd love to see how much further we could take Kip. And we're, we're definitely open to getting funding at some point when it feels right. Mm. I guess you've had such great success, but I'm still blown away by the travel business that grew during the pandemic. That's a great, it's written the headline, it's yeah. written the headline already. What are your thoughts on running a small business in the UK? Like for you, it's been successful, but do you feel it's a good place to run a business? Do you feel supported as a business owner? Like what's your thoughts on the UK as a place to run a business? I think for us being quite small and agile, it's good. Like we still don't have an office. We work from home. We do try and sort of meet up as a team. We've grown the team a bit, but we're still fairly small. And I feel, I don't know. I think for us just being small and agile it is great. And I think there's a lot of, you know, 
cool, interesting people that have got in touch with us from, you know, different brands that we've worked with and companies that kind of feel affiliated with us or people who have reached out with different skill sets. So I, I do feel like as a small startup, there's a lot of people that they like your brand that have, you know, just kind of got in touch with us and been like, hey, I think you're pretty cool. We do this. You know, how about we do something together? I think in some ways we see Kip not just as a travel brand, but kind of a lifestyle brand as well. We have done various sort of partnerships and offshoots. One of the really interesting things that we did, we call it the kiosk. And what we were finding is when we were, especially posting on Instagram, lots of people were commenting things like, oh my God, I love that lamp or where's that rug from? And that got us on the idea of, well, why don't we also create an area of the site where people can actually find often what are these beautiful products made by small independent UK creators. So that kind of started off another whole kind of network of connection with these really cool indie makers and creators from people who are making incredible ceramics to artworks to, you know, rugs, all all these beautiful homewares and listing that as a kind of separate area of the site. So I feel like a lot of doors have been opened to us in paths that we never really expected, which has been really fun. It's a brilliant idea. Selling, I love that rug. Where can I buy that rug? That's a brilliant idea. That is a great idea. Uh, Many years ago, I went to a wedding in America. The wedding was in this quite obscure venue, but in the venue itself, it was a hotel and restaurant, and you could buy absolutely everything in the place, Mm. from the knives and forks to the beds to the the tables. So I really like that idea of and to support other businesses at the same time. Exactly. It is a great idea. And, you know, it's the same thing I've experienced. Actually, recently I went to one of our cabins in Exmoor. And, you know, sometimes you walk in somewhere and the smell, you know, oh, my God, I need to know what is that room scent that they're using. And, And again, like they sort of list it and you can just take it as a guest and they just charge a card for the extra thing. And it's such a nice way to almost take a piece of that hideaway back to your own home as well that's such a fabulous idea it's brilliant so what are your plans for the future you're just uk hideaways at the moment aren't you but do you think you'll go beyond the uk do you think you'll be an international brand say we spoke in five ten years time yeah we've definitely discussed it it's not in the next few years but certainly longer term i think that is potentially something we'd like to do we have already been approached by numerous sort of people in other markets, both from sort of PR or consumer side saying we'd love to have something like Kip in our country. And I think there is a lot of potential for that. I think there's still a lot more for us to do in the UK. I think there's still some really exciting new hideaways cropping up. And I think we're really in love with the UK at the moment. And I think a lot of people are sort of rediscovering how incredible this country is I mean embarrassingly up until three years ago I'd never been to Scotland and now I'm obsessed with Scotland and I just feel there's so many parts of it I still haven't discovered and at the moment it feels right and for us to still concentrate on promoting UK travel and uncovering these sort of hidden corners that people haven't quite realized how special they are. I guess that that's another pandemic effect, isn't it? It did make people think, oh, hold on, I can travel in the UK. There's some pretty amazing yeah. places. I don't need to go overseas. Yeah, no. definitely. And, you know, and there are some places in the UK and, and it's like you could be in the Caribbean and it's Cornwall or 
definitely that is something that a lot more people are are aware of now is that you don't need to take a flight to go somewhere really beautiful. Just back to what you mentioned about PR and how, you know, that was part of your growth. What advice would you give mm-hmm. to people around, you know, making the most of PR? Obviously, you've got a great PR agent on board immediately, which not everybody will yeah. necessarily do. But what would your advice be yeah. to make the most of media coverage, like getting it in the first place and then making sure that it's like a benefit to the business? Really, we do have to put it all down to this incredible PR agency that we used. I mean, initially, we sort of thought, you know, we've got very limited budget but we're quite happy to kind of blow it for, you know, a short period of time just to kind of get us launched. But they were so successful that they're still with us to this day. And they're almost, they're a part of our team and a very integral part. We see them as almost like extended family of Kip. We have a WhatsApp group and we're daily chatting on it. And it's really hard to get good PR without someone with those connections and what they were and someone who really believed in us and were able to champion us to the journalists. And they got us the kind of press, like even from very early on, that I just don't think we would have been able to have done ourselves. Like just that kind of pinch me press where we're like, oh my God, how has this happened? I think we were really lucky. I don't know if I have, I could give any like personal PR advice. I just think we were like somehow convinced an incredible PR agency to work with us and they are the dream and we work really closely with them still now and press can be super super powerful so I I would just say if you can scrape together the budget to kind of work with a decent PR firm even initially hopefully the benefit of that will enable you to kind of keep working with someone ongoing. Mm -hmm, Absolutely and just finally and a question that we're asking everyone at the end of the episodes in this season if you had to give one ultimate tip for business success what would it be do you know what Liz and I had a discussion about this the other day I feel like we've learned so much over you know the course of the past three years I think for me personally I feel so lucky that I have a business partner who I feel complements me so well and I'm not sure I could have done this on my own I feel like For me, it's been really important to have someone to commiserate with when things are tough, someone to celebrate with when things are going well, someone who has a a different skill set and is able to kind of work with me and fill in those gaps, which I find difficult and vice versa. Collectively, the both of us, I don't know, it sounds a bit cheesy, but I think for us, it really is about finding something that you are truly passionate about so that regardless of how much money you're making or how successful the business is it's something that you know if you can eke out a living you're doing something when you wake up every day and it really fulfills you and it's it's something you're really passionate about and you really enjoy I think you know when you talk about success it's like to me that is what success is success is about waking up and making a living out of something that you really love Mm -hmm. That's fantastic. Well, Sarah, I so want to go on holiday right now. That's my my (laughs) conclusion. So it's worked. Thank you so much for joining us on the Small Business Sessions. Thanks so much for having me. You've been listening to Enterprise Nation's Small Business Sessions podcast, powered by Business Connected and our partners Vodafone, Builder.ai and JP Morgan. If you've been inspired during this episode, head to enterprisenation.com forward slash business connected to register for webinars and to access free business training. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and we'll see you next time.